In this episode of Clearing Obstacles, my friend and colleague Nick Lawler and I go deep on the subject of critical thinking. Now, as you listen, you'll hear the conversation refine itself as we try and evolve the process to get to the essence of how this topic relates to the concept of clearing obstacles and to the format of this podcast. We iterate and reiterate the steps that one might take in their effort to build those cognitive muscles so that they can make better decisions in business and in life and ultimately become the leaders that they aspire to be. So buckle up, because this one's going to take you through a conversation that I'm very proud of and grateful to have had and to be able to share with you. I hope you enjoy it as much as I enjoyed the process. Welcome to Clearing Obstacles, the podcast for leaders and those that want to be. You know, it can be a lonely journey when you find yourself confronted by challenges in business. So get ready to take a journey with me as together we'll hear the stories of real-life business owners and begin to unpack some common business challenges from real-life situations in a way that's both relatable and actionable for you. We bring to bear decades of entrepreneurial and coaching experience and a full toolbox of resources as we introduce you to those professionals who, like yourself, are working hard to build a healthy business and a healthy team. But then we'll also share the way out of those struggles by clearing the obstacles at their origins, helping you get there, from here. So welcome to the Clearing Obstacles podcast, where we help you get there from here. This is Coach Dan, along with our esteemed guest, my dear friend, colleague from over a decade, we were just discussing, uh, Nick Lawler. Nick is the founder and CEO of Suka Business Coaching. Uh, rather than me try and explain how, uh, Nick relates to that. I'm going to ask Nick, share a little bit about what you do, how you got there. Maybe tell us a little bit more about that from a um, personal professional context. Just introduce yourself. Thanks, Dan. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm so excited about spending this next hour in your company. <laughs> Likewise. <laughs> do I, is it an appropriate juncture to say, kind of be slightly weird for us to spend an hour in each other's company without a beer shared That's between true. us. It's not quite the time of day when we can drink beer. I mean, we could. We sure we could. We could, but we're we not going to. spark one up. No, we could yeah, do all yeah, kinds yeah. of things. Let's but. just pretend. Okay. It's the middle of the day. Well, at the middle of the day. It was right. just a soda. <laughs> we'll keep it as a sober conversation, relatively. We, the first time we, we might met. be boring as hell, by the way. It's never occurred to me. Yeah. We may. They'll be like, oh, God, I wish those guys had actually drunk some beer. And they might have been interesting. <laughs> okay, so minus the beer. You want what, what was the question? You wanted to know who I am. Yeah, tell us a little bit okay. about you. Oh, why, right. why, yeah. So, um, well, um, brief, brief career history. I spent the first, I mean, my, my career, if you could call it that, has been in, uh, in at least three parts, if not four parts now. I started off my life um, in general management, working for the National Health Service in the UK, managing very complex hospital systems. That's the accent. Okay, go on. Oh, was I supposed to say I'm English? <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> um, and then the second part of my career, um, decades ago, was I started a hotel business in a beautiful part of England and ran that for 15 years. And as I was migrating out of that into the third part of my career, 
um, as a coach and consultant to other small businesses. Um, well, that's that's the third part. Mm -hmm. And now I'm kind of um, overlapping um, and I spend half my time coaching, working with other business owners in a coaching consulting role. And I am also a university um, researcher and associate lecturer um, researching Indian philosophy and yoga. That is diverse to say the least. Yeah. Did I tell you I got kicked out of the army? No. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I yeah. did not even know that personally. <laughs> about I think yet. that's the bit I skipped, wasn't it? Yeah, before. <laughs> yeah. So, so for the record, I did get thrown out of the British Army, and I got <laughs> thrown out for, um, well, it wasn't quite insubordination, but close to insubordination. <laughs> <laughs> it was an inability to follow orders, and. Um, was part one, inability to follow orders, and part two was a certain immaturity they described it as. And um, so I was very sad at the time, but I think actually, if you want to know me, then the British Army got it right. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. This, this episode could be as illuminating to me as it is to our guests. So that's a great piece of information that I didn't even know about you. I know all this about you, and I didn't know that. Um, and that tracks. I can see the following directions. They were right. They, they, were, they were right. <laughs> they weren't wrong, at least at the time. Uh, hopefully we've evolved a bit. You're now in your mid-20s, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I squeezed all of that in. And I'm, I'm yet to hit 60. <laughs> okay, that, we'll leave it at that. I'm, I'm a few years off 60. Yet to hit that. Perfect. I'm not far off. Okay. Well, it'll be our secret. First, it's just my profound respect for you and who you are and how you show up in the world. My deep respect for you both as a human and specifically in this context as a professional as well that I wanted to have you on an episode of the Clearing Obstacles podcast. But it, the prospect of talking you, to you in this format was intriguing to me for a number of reasons. The second of which was that I know what you have to offer with today's topic is invaluable to the development of exceptional leadership and, and highly functional professional culture. And I know we haven't even told our listeners what it is yet. So be ready for the great reveal. Anyway, I've struggled in my efforts to reconcile exactly how that fits into the format of the Clearing Obstacles podcast. So help me out here. Can you make a case using the overarching purpose and format of this podcast how it fits in, considering what we do here, to be a super dork about it and kind of use our branding and tagline, which actually do mean something, by the way. We're here to clear the obstacles to help leaders and emerging leaders get there from here. Mm -hmm. How is the topic of critical thinking a potential obstacle for business? And why should we be talking about it here? Excellent. That's a great question. And I think there's a really simple answer to it. I think the biggest obstacle we all face in just about every facet of our lives mm -hmm. is that our own thinking gets in our way. So I would say the biggest obstacle we face that we need to clear is how our limited thinking stops us achieving the goals we want to achieve. Well, this proves to be a very exciting conversation. 
Was that it? Are we done now? This is great. We're all done. (laughs) Thank you for coming. (laughs) It's time for that bit. So, okay. So uh, all I did was briefly in two words, critical thinking as the subject for today's Mm -hmm. conversation. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? What, what, how did this come up? in a conversation for us, why, why did we just, you know, again, sitting okay. over a margarita at some point, yeah. we need to do an episode on this because- On critical thinking. Yeah. Why do we need to do an episode on critical thinking? So I, I think if we've set the stage there and said um, that I think the, the biggest obstacle we all face in our lives is um, how our limited thinking gets in the way, how do we then develop our thinking skills in a way that gives us different and better answers. And so this is a a sort of a a realization that I've only kind of come to over the last two or three years. And um, so it's worth me telling you a little bit of that story as well. Please. Um, Having gone back into higher education quite late on in my life, um, I realized that we put the vast majority of our college-age students through um, a, a, you know, an undergraduate degree and don't spend any time teaching them how to think. There's an assumption that by the time someone gets to college, they already know how to think. Mm -hmm. They already know how to write essays and how to think and how to structure arguments and how to develop um, an evidence base for the arguments they're developing. By the time they get to university, there's an assumption they already know how to do it. Mm Or, or into business ownership. Or into business ownership. We see there's all kinds of disciplines. Yeah. You know, you've, we, we talk about it all the time with our clients. Like, at no point did you take a course on time management. Mm-hmm. And yet, it's probably one of the most critical skills that a professional needs to, to have available to them. It's just under the assumption that we somehow were born with this aptitude for managing our time effectively. Yeah, that's exactly it. Like controlling communication, intelligent, you should yeah. be able to figure it out. Right. But I think the figuring out thing, it, it, there's some truth in that. There is some figuring out to be done. But I think just like the time management thing, it's actually a practice. Mm-hmm. So you can um, do your job, whatever that job is, whether as a business owner or a leader or someone working inside the business, you can do some of that job on autopilot. Critical thinking for me is about saying, hang on, too much autopilot. Let's think about the process of thinking because it's a habit that you need to get into and you need to work at just as you do with time management. I know if I don't keep on top of my own time management discipline, I will get sloppy. And I'm just applying the same lens to critical thinking. I'm saying if you don't work it, then you will get sloppy. And here's um, one of my kind of less, here, here was a wake up call for me. When I went back into higher education, I had forgotten how to read. Just, just like five years ago? Yeah. Okay. Didn't know how to do it anymore didn't have the concentration span to do it, 
got bored too quickly, had spent too many years on my phone or answering emails right. in 30 seconds. If flat. you can't fit it in 140 characters, yeah. I've yeah. lost interest. Yeah. Mm. So I didn't even have the concentration span yeah. to actually be able to read something and assimilate that information and to think about it and then to develop my own creative solutions to whatever that was. Sure. Truly a muscle that atrophied to the point where, uh -huh. yeah, down to 140 characters. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So, so yeah, so that was, that was the kind of wake up call. And then as I thought about it, you know, you mentioned time management. The work I think we do is I think we do we work in several different domains. One of those domains is helping people to become more productive with their limited time. You're speaking specifically about business coaching and, yeah. and what you and I do. Okay. Yeah, mm -hmm. right? So time management is a central skill. Sure. One of the reasons we practice time management is to give people back time to think critically. Because if they think critically, they make better decisions. And then the third thing that I think we do is we help people get better at accountability, accountability to themselves, accountability to, to others, helping people to execute on whatever it is that they need to execute on. And, and for me, those are the three things that we're working on. Personal time management, productivity, critical thinking skills, execution, and I want to say execution and implementation, but they're the same mm -hmm. thing, aren't they? Mm -hmm. Execution and accountability. Great. Okay, so you had this experience of re-immersing yourself into higher education, and you were met with this, confronted maybe even by this realization that I, this muscle is atrophied. I'm, my ability to read for any extended period of time has kind of been depleted, and and I can't absorb, I can't pay attention, I can't... like. So walk us through that leap of going from there to the, what you call a realization, just to, to whatever brought that alive for you to say critical thinking is desperately missing in the professional context. I mean, it's missing in more than that, but again, for the sake of the context we're talking about here on the Clearing Obstacles podcast, let's keep it in the business domain for mm -hmm. now. Mm -hmm. So what... How do you know? It's what a question my clients get so sick of hearing me ask all the time. How do you know? How do you know that that is missing? What's going on that 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 illustrates that there's an absence of effective critical thinking in business, in particular, and leadership specifically? I, I think it's the response you get to that brilliant question. Your your question. How do you know that? Is testing people's critical thinking skills. And I would say critical thinking starts with a great question. So if you're not even starting with your own great question, what are you, what are you testing yourself against? But if you ask that question and people cannot tell you how they arrived at the conclusion they arrived at, or worse, and this is more often the case, they have no idea how to even answer the question. They don't have their own answer. To their own question. They don't have their, yeah, they don't, neither have their own question nor do they have an answer to it. They're just back on autopilot. Mm -hmm. What's an example you've seen with a client? Tell us a story. Mm. Can you think of one? I was working with a client um they were actually based down in the san diego area 
And um, I worked with them for a few years and then their company grew to a size that they were just too big for me. Mm -hmm. So they migrated to um, another coach. And they eventually sold their business for about 25 million, I think. Okay. Uh, they were one of the very first clients I worked with, a really lovely husband-wife couple. But they said to me, I think within the first year that we'd been working together, Nick, we've noticed that whenever we go on holiday, the week to month that we come back from our vacation is the time when our business grows the quickest. <laughs> and we've been tracking it now since we started working with you because you said we needed to take a break and go on vacation. Mm -hmm. And we did that. We came back the following month. We solved a few problems. Our business grew. Then we went back to doing the things the old way, the way that we'd always done it. Right. And then you forced us to take another vacation. We came back the month after we came back from vacation. The business grew again. Yeah. And so I think that experience very early on that you actually have to give yourself the time and space to think critically and that being in the kind of, I don't know, the, the day in, day out, uh, not, it's, not, it's not routine. It's highly pressured. It's mm -hmm. highly pressured. The work of most business owners is, is extremely highly pressured. Right. But it's not necessarily the right environment to get good at thinking creatively, mm -hmm. to critically thinking about the problems in front of you and to developing the best possible solution that you can develop in that particular moment. Mm -hmm. How do you do that? Mm -hmm. It's a muscle you need to work. For this, for this husband-wife couple, they did it walking on the beach on vacation. So I want to differentiate here for everybody's benefit, mine included. How can you differentiate between, for the sake of, of this topic, which is specifically critical thinking, how is that different or similar to the creative process, the creative thinking that you, you just mentioned there? The, I mean, that comes to you in the walk on the beach when you're removed from the day-to-day -day pressures, when you're removed from that environment, all kinds of great approaches and, and tactics that we can take to improve our creative process. Mm -hmm. Can you compare and contrast that with critical thinking as we're, as we're at today. I think that the creative process that you've just described mm -hmm. is a hugely important part of critical thinking. So let me break down critical thinking into what I think it is about. I think firstly, it's about asking a really good question. Okay. I think secondly, it's starting to build an evidence base of data that will help you answer that question. And that data can be all sorts of different things. But in the context of running a small business, it's normally key strategic indicators. The things that you need to pay attention to every single day, your financial results, your sales results, yeah. your leads generated, Maybe there's some competitor analysis in there. Maybe there's some other kind of market data that tells you what market you're in and what your customers are saying about you. But it's, it's paying attention to the data. The third bit of that is then how good is that data? Okay. And then it's about 
developing options. Now, in developing options, the critical bit is thinking through your own positionality. Like, what are my blind spots? What are the things that I don't pay attention to because I am just so conditioned to think in this way? Mm -hmm. If I were Dan and Dan were Nick, would we come up with different solutions? Absolutely. Right. And so mine would th- be right, and yours would yeah, probably yeah, yeah. be as right as mine. <laughs> well, that goes without saying. <laughs> but it brings us on to the fifth bit of I think I'm on step five now I, I of think critical so. thinking, okay. which is it's a dialogue. Uh-huh. It's a dialogue to develop. Now, you know, it could in theory just be a conversation with yourself, but most of us, if we get good at it, mm-hmm. come up with better solutions when we're in conversation with people we know, like, and trust, and even better with people we don't particularly know and don't particularly like and don't particularly <laughs> There's trust. The rub, right. There's the rub, right? Because otherwise all we're doing is we're getting self-validation. Right. Yeah, I've been thinking. Confirmation right. bias. Yeah. But the sixth bit is not just writing out the decision that you came to. Let's say you started with a good question. You're like, okay, this is, a, this is the question I need to answer. I've come up with three or four options. This is the data I've got to support the, my favorite option, end of story, option A is the one we're going for, okay. right? I mean, that would be a good step to to just to even list out a few options, sure. right? actually sounds like but, a healthy approach. But what I want people to do is to really think through what process they followed to get there. Leaving a little trail of breadcrumbs. Yeah, yeah. To think about how you were doing your thinking. And make that process transparent. Now, I think I've given you like six clear steps as to what I think critical thinking involves and why it applies to a business environment. Mm-hmm. And I've said that things like data is really important. Starting with a question is really important. Data is really important. Um, testing the validity of that data is important. Generating different ideas, being in conversation with others to help you generate ideas and writing it down. Mm-hmm. Right. So I think I've given you some steps there that I think are important critical thinking. Mm-hmm. All of those relate to creativity. Mm-hmm. And then I'd say, well, okay, where are you going to be your most creative? Where do you solve problems? Because make that part of your practice as well. Mm-hmm. Set and setting have to be an integral part of the critical thinking process. You can't, you can't just, so if, if taking a long drive offers you that, if sequestering yourself in your office offers you that with the right lighting and maybe even headphones on, noise-canceling headphones, and just allowing you to immerse yourself into a set and setting, that is a, a part of that process. Again, you can draw a parallel to creative yeah. work as much as, yeah. as critical things. So in England, I would say, you know, it involves walking the dog, having a cup of tea, and probably doing some gardening. Okay. <laughs> How quaint. <laughs> How quaint. I just love I'm buying this. my ticket now. Um, and here it would be maybe a little less elegant, a little less refined, Americanized. Okay, let's back up a few steps then, because it all hinges on that initial question. We said you have to, it starts with the right question. Yeah. Um, you can look over here. We're recording this in my office, and you can see in the upper left of my whiteboard there, get precise with the problem before you try and solve it. I have that on my whiteboard as my own credo for any kind of problem solving when I approach that. You, you have to be precise with the problem. Otherwise, 
you're going to solve the wrong problem. And now not only have you wasted the resources uh, for solving that problem, but you're probably a few steps back and now you're going to go apply solutions to the wrong Yeah, and I think that's, you're absolutely right. And all I'd say to that is you write down the best version of the question you have at the moment. I can pretty much guarantee that a month, two months, three months down the line, you'll come up with a better question. What makes a question better? Your thinking evolves. Like, I think you're thinking of thinking as a kind of static process. Mm -hmm. I don't think it is a static process. I think it's something that evolves. It's iterative. You know, I think, um, I think you're not the same person you were five years ago. Five minutes ago, really. <laughs> it's highly likely sure. that there's not much. I mean, you are a different person. We, five minutes ago, we hadn't had this conversation. You, you know, yeah. you've shifted a little bit. Right. I've shifted a little bit. So. Okay. I'm here with you. Yeah. So you're describing kind of theoretically or or maybe even process based, but what I'm I'm interested in for from a, any listener who's listening to this, like I, I'm interested in a checklist, for example. What mm. what what are some criteria that you could define that say, oh, that's a good question right there. That would that would constitute a, a good question. Mm. Did I ask a good question? You did ask a good question, <laughs> yeah. What would constitute a good question? Specificity. Okay. So make sure that you make the question small enough to be specific and make the question small enough that you have a good chance of being able to answer it clearly. So in our business, we don't necessarily want open-ended questions that lead nowhere. Right. Like There's a time for them, but in general, yeah, yeah. it's, meaning too, it's of, too big. I would love to have a meaning of life conversation with sure. you. Sure, yeah. We frequently have meaning of life conversations. But there's we call no, that trying to boil the ocean. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But there's no, there's no, you want something that you can produce an answer to and I'm being really careful the words I'm using here because I'm not I'm trying to avoid saying produce a definitive answer to mm. I'm not suggesting that I'm just saying you can produce the best answer at this given moment in time okay knowing that, that it's going to change frankly it's all we ever have to go off of anyway yeah, yeah. the best answer at this time yeah given the information we have is the information it. we have is only yeah it's not perfect right we're working in an imperfect environment with imperfect information with imperfect selves. Are there ways that one could, a, a, a process, a checklist that one could apply to determine, am I getting warm here? Am I getting close to the right question? Or am I getting further away? Like what, what are you listening to internally? Is it your intuition? Do you, do you actually have a, a mental checklist that, that says, I'm on the right track asking the question here. Yeah, that's... I don't think that's one of your best questions. <laughs> Fair. The reason I don't think it's, it's the best question, I, and I might be wrong on this, I'm, I'm, I, we both love process, don't we? We love, love being it. able to do things in a systematic way. Mm -hmm. 
to know that like once we've got that process dialed in we're going to get a pretty consistent result and we're going to have been very efficient in how we've done it i think what i'm trying to suggest with this approach to critical thinking is that that's only going to take you so far like i can't give you a checklist to tell you that you're a good critical thinker and i don't want to give you a checklist for how to be a good critical thinker all i'm asking you to think about is what is my process for doing my best thinking and more importantly if you're leading a team how am i engaging my team in doing their best thinking that's it don't don't make it more complicated than that don't don't try and give yourself a checklist where you know i mean i've given you those six steps that i think are important parts of critical thinking but beyond that that that's when your creativity needs to kick in and if you if you if it's if you're just working by yourself if you are sadly really sadly in that position where you are the only decision maker in your business then how do you do your best thinking and how do you create enough space and time for that thinking to happen so that it's enjoyable not so that it's not another task right. that has to be done but that it's actually enjoyable and creative and productive and makes you feel alive mm-hmm. that's step 1 for the person who's making decisions by themselves for the person who's leading a team how do you create the right culture for that team to make decisions in dialogue with each other mm-hmm conversations that start arguments conversations that start productive conversations that generate options where people are challenging each other and being critical of each other's thinking because that there, there's a lot of vulnerability involved there so how are you showing up as a business owner where you are being vulnerable about the things that you don't know mm-hmm. the things that you have questions to and now we're back to questions mm-hmm. how do you ask good questions so putting yourself in the right environment if you are solo in this endeavor making sure that you've you've put yourself in the right environment the best most conducive environment to yeah. critical thinking if you're with a team making sure that the team is probably both geographically as well as you know culturally emotionally in the in the best place mm-hmm. to have that dialogue You had said something at one point and I actually wrote it down I don't know if you recall this conversation. You you said thinking is a practice, not something you just do once where you've ticked the box and you're done. It's rather something that you must be doing all the time and it requires you to step outside of yourself and to say, "Okay, how can I do it better? How can I reflect on how I'm thinking in order to be a better thinker?" That would be ideas like imagination, play, dialogically being in conversation with others and you you went on to say I can guarantee you my best thoughts will not come from me sitting alone at my desk whilst recirculating my own thoughts but rather testing them against other ideas and the mere process of putting that into dialogue with others. Did I say that? You did you brilliant. Didn't that sound great? Yeah, that sounded really cool. Was yeah. was that me? I know. 
<laughs> Here, I'm, let me put this up in front of you and you can read it and then you can actually say it again. You actually went on to say, I'm just kind of reading some notes here of a conversation we had earlier about this. You said, you consider what is said, what is not said, what's included, what's excluded, who is represented and who is excluded. This is specifically when you're in mm -hmm. able to, to leverage a team in this kind of mm -hmm. critical thinking process. I know I said that, but I know I was quoting somebody else who said that. Someone much, much more intelligent than me. But I think it's absolutely true. Yeah. What is said, what is not said, who mm -hmm. is represented, who is not represented, who is included, who is excluded mm -hmm. from the conversation. Yeah. So if you don't have the benefit of collaborating with a team on that, how can you do that? I mean, it's just, this is beginner's mind. Beginner's mind and work with a coach. Mm. You know, I'm sorry, but I think that's the most important work we do as coaches. Yeah, you can help help people with their time management. I'm sure that's important. Absolutely. But <laughs> to, the tools are secondary to the approach. Yeah. I maintain that all day. I'll fight anybody that wants to argue that one. But I don't want you to get more efficient at thinking stupid. <laughs> right? Right, right. <laughs> you know, right. get more efficient at thinking great thoughts. Yeah. If, you're, if your goal is to go from churning out 500 bits of stupid to 1,000 bits of stupid, <laughs> are you better off? Nobody says the word stupid quite like the Brits. There's something about the word <laughs> stupid. It just sounds better. It sounds more scathing even. <laughs> what can I say? <laughs> as, a, as a process... Don't do your thinking before you do your writing. Start writing because that's what will help your thinking. Mm. And get into the kind of muscle habit of, okay, I have to write this down because writing is part of my thinking process. The process of critical thinking, how would one recognize it in the wild? <laughs> <laughs> Give it to me to read. Because if they can't, then they haven't done one of, they haven't followed ah, through on the one of my test. most important principles, which is write it down. Mm -hmm. it, it's a, it's a, a anecdote, a quote that's attributed, I think, to too many people, and I'm sure incorrectly, somebody out there can research it and say who it actually was. But it's if you can't understand, if you can't explain the solution simply, you don't understand it well enough. Yeah. So you would have had, you've had, to have gone through a critical thinking process competently, judiciously, yeah. in order to be able to yeah. present me with a single sentence <laughs> refined down to. You're absolutely right. And I think that's the difference between a kind of conversation like this, where hopefully we're thinking about the words we're saying to each other and thinking thoughtfully about how to respond to each other's questions. I, sure. think, I think we're doing that, I hope. which is unusual for us, but it's, <laughs> it's, it's a, our friendship is crossing new boundaries. <laughs> Sober ones at that. <laughs> but I think that if you, if you translate this conversation into words on paper, all of a sudden it gives you insight into the kind of flaws in the logic that we probably both you wouldn't have seen. Yeah, we were so we, wrapped yeah, up in yeah. your own version of that truth yeah. that you don't even yeah. take a pause to, to. Exactly. Yeah. 
And so it's, it's kind of got to be both those things. Like sometimes in conversation, you end up with a much better idea and a much better thought than you would ever had on your own. Yeah. Put that in writing and see if it actually it holds, holds water. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And honestly, nine times out of 10, you know, I write down all, like I have a process for writing down all my good ideas. I absolutely have a process. I have a way of storing, harnessing all that potential energy in the ideas I'm generating. But I, once I've written them down, nine out of 10 are dead before they're even started. Why? Because I, well, I can see in writing that what I thought was a brilliant idea was shape was well or it needed further work okay yeah let's just say it needed further work <laughs> very diplomatic yeah. so do you want to test out as because i think there is a continuum between creative thinking and imagination on the one hand and critical analysis on the other hand wait contrast those again right difference between what the difference between creative thinking and imagination on the one hand and critical analysis on the second hand. Mm -hmm. Critical thinking involves both those, but those two, creativity and imagination on the one hand and analytical, analytical thinking on the other hand are different ends of the spectrum. Agreed. Right? So... Analysis requires logic. It requires interpreting and analyzing facts and opinions. Data. Data yeah. analysis. Yeah. And being able to differentiate between a fact and an opinion. Creative thinking is about possible solutions and possible answers. And taps much more into intuition. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Is there intuition in critical thinking? Yeah, because critical thinking is impossible without the imagination. Right. So thinking is a creative process. Yeah. So a real life example here. Sales have dropped. Don't know what's happened. Uh, we can look at the numbers mm -hmm. and I can see they went from 70,000 in January to 60,000 in February, and they're plummeting to 45,000 here in March. Right. That's the data that's indisputable. Sales have fallen. Mm -hmm. Now, critical thinking would say, what's next? What's the next question we need to ask? Ironically, mm -hmm. cr the critical, think critical thinking process, the next question is, what's the next question? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, for giving somebody a roadmap. And this is, this is, at the top of the call, I said, I, I'm really intrigued by how this can actually play in a Clearing Obstacles podcast because of the format that we have for this thing. I mean, this isn't a philosophy podcast. We get into topics around that, sure. But like, how does one take such a broad and, and in some ways, extremely academic process? Well, it's thinking. <laughs> right how do we how do we, how does this apply to the average business owner i'm not even going to say entrepreneur the average business owner maybe they're running a mom and pop shop maybe they're running a five million revenue a year operation maybe it's a hundred million dollar a year yeah, yeah. monster mm -hmm. critical thinking applies in those situations 
just at the base level of how how good are the questions that you ask on a day-to-day month-to-month basis yeah yeah so i i thought what was interesting there was that you you linked critical thinking with academic thinking yeah well great i think that's great if if um if I mean, then hooray for going to school is all I can say. <laughs> sure. so it's not a bad thing. Yeah. But um, there was something about the way you said that that was kind of dismissive of academic thinking as not real world. I don't know if you intended that or not, or it may have just been my own paranoia, but that's how I heard it. It was like, huh, it's just academic like and and we've heard that expression, right? People right. talk about that. They're going, yeah, great, but that's just academic, right. and it's not real world, right? Okay, I I think that's wrong. I actually think that's wrong. Say more. <laughs> I think the only, I mean, let's face it, the stuff I'm interested in academically is pretty obscure. Yeah, I am not expecting everyone else to be really into Indian philosophy. Like, I I get that. (laughs) And I think you can live a perfectly happy life without ever engaging with Indian philosophy. (laughs) Personally, I think, you know, life's a little richer to have it, but you're not going to be worse off. Billions of people (laughs) have done just fine without it. Billions of people have done just fine without it. Um, But then what that does is it, it, it obscures the value of learning because it actually doesn't matter what you learn or what you're interested in what you are doing is you are exercising your thinking muscle that's why this is a valuable conversation for your podcast okay for someone who is up to their neck in shit however and they are trying to dig their way out of it in their small business, they've got, they're not positive they're gonna make payroll next month. Mm-hmm. They uh, are watching declining sales. Yeah. Um, maybe you should, maybe you should look at the process of critical thinking a little bit more. That's gonna fall pretty flat, Nick. Yeah. I mean, it's hard and, and people may use other adjectives, dry and applicable. Like we could throw all kinds of insults at academia, but it's, it's hard and and not everybody has the cognitive capacity to academically to study, to read that kind of material and process it and make sense of it. And so that's why I get a little pushy for a checklist mm-hmm. because the people listening to this who need critical thinking, what's the quick and dirty shortcut to get us there to be helpful now. I don't have time for a sabbatical. I don't have the cognitive ability to, you know, the disproportionate amount of ADHD that goes on in entrepreneurial yep, yep, yep. population. It's like, it's mm-hmm. pretty significant. Like, so how can it be made more accessible to business owners and in particular business owners, maybe who are struggling or who don't, honestly just don't have that cognitive muscle built up. Okay, so if you want some actionable steps that allow you to to build some thinking time into your life. The first thing, we'll go back to time management here, I'd say create some space 
and some structure that gives you thinking time. So we talked a little bit about what that space might look like, taking the dog for a walk, having a cup of tea, doing some gardening, but then some structure around that. Because I know that if taking the dog for a walk is where my best ideas are going to come to me, how do I capture that in a way that it's accessible later? Because I also know that as I get older, my brain's like a sieve. <laughs> I'm sorry, what were you saying? So I'm saying that as I get older, <laughs> my brain is like a sieve. But there's some truth in that. Like, I think I'm more intelligent now than I've ever been, but I can't remember a fucking thing. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So I have to have a system that allows me to capture that thought. Yeah. At the point at which I capture that, th that, that thought occurs to me. If only we all walked around with many supercomputers in our pockets. Yeah. Gosh, if only. Yeah. But we do. I know. That's <laughs> what I'm getting at. Like, that's the structure. Mm. Truly, like, dictate stream of consciousness style on your walk with your dog, with your... That's exactly what I do. That's my system. How did you know that was my system? I just... <laughs> <laughs> Have other people got that system Intuition, as well? I I would assume probably because I was going to sell it and it make a lot of money. You would make a lot of money. <laughs> Some kind of structure, and don't don't let me or Dan don't let Dan tell you what structure. You figure it out for yourself. But some I, I, ideas. Oh, right. Okay. Some ideas would yeah. be. Well, I, here, here's, I've given you some ideas. I mean, I think it can be as simple as going for a dog walk. I've got a friend who does it by going for a swim every morning. That's when he does his best thinking. I know other people who wake up in the middle of the night, but they've got a post-it note next to them and they'll write mm -hmm. down their ideas from that. Um, I know that for me, um, it, it's actually, I can do some of my best thinking reading. Because when I'm reading, that generates other ideas. Right. Right? So keeping a, keep a notebook or, yeah. or a journal or something. Oh, and I write in all my books. Yeah. They've all got scribbles in them. <laughs> you write more than the authors. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes <laughs> I do. There's not enough width around the, edge of the page. Uh -huh. That's right. So, yeah, whatever it is that... Yeah, and, and you can think about that. You can think about, like, where was I at my most creative? What sort of space was I in? Mentally, physically. Okay. How can I give myself regular time in that space? Okay. And then don't be too harsh on yourself. For what do once you mean? In, what I mean is for once in your life, stop trying to measure everything in terms of productivity. Who cares if you sit there in that happy space for an hour and nothing comes out of it? world's not going to end. Process more than, pro than results. Yeah, yeah, don't push yourself for results. When it comes to critical thinking or creative thinking, are we, or is that too binary to? Yeah, too binary. Okay. Yeah, I'm just thinking about the thinking process in general. Okay. You know, don't push yourself for early results early on. Okay. It's like, um, you know, someone who's learning to meditate for the first time. Yeah. It doesn't happen. No. Right. Yeah, and then you start getting all, all over yourself about yeah. it. And yeah. Yeah. Be kind of. Be kind to yourself. Mm -hmm. Right. Second thing that I would say is a actionable task. And I think it's going to be incredibly difficult for some people based on the work I do with my clients. Okay. Start writing. Sounds like a, a total noob question here. Does it matter pen to paper, keyboard, crayon? 
Does this matter? Does it have to be an iambic pentameter? Does it, I mean, free form? No, yeah, free form, What's free the- form, just start writing it. It doesn't matter what comes out, how it comes out. Just I like- Capture. Yeah, my thing is I have um, pencils and this is kind of my OCD thing. I like using my pencils until there's no pencil left. <laughs> and then that tells me that I must have done a lot of thinking. <laughs> right? It's just stupid. I ran out the graphite yeah. in my pencil. Yeah. That's how much shit has come out of my head. But it means I hate losing my pencils because then all that thinking's gone if oh. I've lost them. <laughs> <laughs> I so, think you need some better critical yeah, thinking about know, that. It's, it's not great critical <laughs> thinking, is it? But yeah, so I like I actually like the feel of pencil. And um, so I've started writing with pencil again this mm. last few years. And love I love it. it. I love it. I love the feel, the texture of it. Um, but it doesn't really matter. And I do. Uh, here's the, the, the one downside of computers. Obviously, I do a lot of writing on computers. The problem I have with computers is that you can tend to edit as you think, and then you can spend all your time editing your own thoughts. That's a really valuable part of the process. Sure. But if it gets in the way of you doing the thinking, because you're kind of editing yourself as you go along. Yeah. You know, you, you, you know, you want that flow state. Mm-hmm. Have you talked about flow state in your podcast? Not yet? really. No. no. How do you, you know what flow state is though? Yeah. Right? Describe yeah. it briefly for us. Well, I think flow state is when you lose track of time. Mm-hmm. You're doing something and you become so absorbed in it. Two hours feels like five minutes mm-hmm. and you literally look up and you're like, where's that last two hours gone? You've been in flow. Yeah. And that's, that's when most people describe themselves as being their most productive. Right. But it takes a while to get into flow. Oh, it's a muscle as well. Yeah. 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 So, uh, and I do know some writers who are, who have worked and developed that muscle to be able to write stream of consciousness, free flow, just get it all down mm-hmm. and then, and then go back and edit later, um, or pay somebody to do their editing for them and make sense of their nonsense that they put down. But that at least allows them the it allows them the margin, the room to be able to just lay it out there and not be hypercritical about the process. And that's what I encourage my clients to do is I encourage them to send me whatever they've written. Because I'm great at editing right. other people's work. I'm great at asking the questions about what did you mean here because it didn't make much sense. Mm-hmm. Let's see if we can write it out better now. Mm-hmm. But I don't want to start with a blank page of blank piece of paper. I want to start with some like, okay, what have we got going on here? Okay. So I'm going to predict what we have so far is, is again, trying to create actionable steps here. I press you for that. And I really appreciate you kind of obliging on on that because for anybody listening to this again, for any variety of reasons might struggle to get their arms around the academic part of this. And and I agree with you hundred percent. It's terribly underrated the value of of these kinds of exercises and and getting better at reading and processing and reading lengthy um kind of <laughs> less palatable stuff um that's not exciting that is over 140 characters so actionable steps create a space and a structure to give yourself the room to critically think that was the first one. Yep. And you elaborated a little bit on that. And, and that structure can be your daily walk. It can be in the shower. It can be uh, um, 
first thing in the morning before you wake up. It could be a brain dump before you go to bed, but some kind of a, just be mindful, be aware of where those places are for you. Yep. And, and exercise those opportunities when, when you can and make room actually in your schedule for them. Right. Um, and there was a footnote to that. Don't be too harsh on yourself about any of this process. If you're mm -hmm. coming up with dead ends, if you come up with no, nothing seemingly of shareable value, that's not necessarily the point, giving yourself that room. So that's really, if there's an actionable step, that would be the first one is give yep. yourself, I mean, without that. Give yourself time and space and structure. Time, space, and structure. Then the second piece is to start writing, capturing that. If you're going to do it in voice notes, fine. But um, I think that's actually a fantastic option because, again, it's um, less edited, right? Stream of consciousness yep. quite literally just, just start spilling it yep. verbally. But finding a way to maybe even go back and capture that in writing, there's something tangible, tangible about the written word that allows you to then to what? To put it under scrutiny? To scrutinize it? I think, to I think scrutinize it the ideas? Yeah, or? I think it requires a level of precision that you don't have in in verbal communication. Precision. When we're talking to each other, we don't need to be that precise, nor should we be that precise. But you do need to be precise in writing. And when you're in your unedited free flow state, you're not going to be precise. But once it's down in writing, you've got that chance to go back and say, okay, how do I make this precise? Yeah. Is this logical? Does this make sense? Where do I go next with it? Okay. So, so the thinking process is linear. And the only way that you can extend the time it takes is to know what your starting thought was and then be able to go backwards and forwards with it. Got it. Right. If it's not written down, you can't hold the, the linearity train. in your in your brain. It doesn't work like your brain doesn't work like that. I'm like, I can't go back and revisit the conversation I had with you 30 seconds ago. Right. Well, maybe I can 30 seconds ago, but a minute ago, it's gone now. Yeah. If it's in writing, then then we've got something to work with. Okay. I'm going to guess if it's not the next step. It's one of the next steps. So take these ideas that you've put down, that you've been able to more precisely articulate in writing, and then put them up against somebody else to get their feedback. Ideally, somebody who doesn't necessarily see everything exactly the way that you see it, so that it can stand up to some, some critical thought. And not just that I think that's brilliant. Fantastic step three is do it in conversation with someone else, get some feedback on it. And you, you're suggesting that, because, um, you know, critical thought kind of implies criticism. Mm -hmm. Why don't you see it as a collaborative process? Okay. Like I'm giving you something that I've created here that I want you to collaborate with on me because I would love your input. So we're seeking collaboration more so than criticism. Yeah. I mean, once you get comfy with it, you'll be happy to have some harsh criticism. You won't mm -hmm. take it personally. Mm -hmm. It's not personal. It's mm -hmm. just about building the best options. Well, everybody's available. got shitty ideas. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. really. If you don't think you're one of those people, get a grip. <laughs> <laughs> you're right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. So putting it to others for collaboration yeah. and criticism. I, I, I need to ask this question because it's very alive for me right now. And so, so... Again, boots on the ground here in somebody's organization. Um, 
getting other people's feedback, their collaboration in your ideas. Uh, you can't just snap your fingers and suddenly have that as a result in any culture, any organization. Mm -hmm. It's built, right? Yeah. It's, it's nurtured, it's, yeah. it's grown in that way. How would one recognize that as a healthy, collaborative environment in somebody's organization? Let me put it this way. If you were to audit the dialogue that takes place in somebody's organization, what would you notice about those opportunities, I about love those conversations? Because to me, what you're talking about now is probably one of the reasons I got kicked out of the army, <laughs> right? It's about those hierarchies of power, okay. what you're allowed to say, what you're not allowed to say. Mm -hmm. And I mean, you know, I've always pushed back against that I, because to me, what that speaks to is shutting people down that might have good ideas. Mm -hmm. So, for sure, I can see why we have hierarchies in organizations. It doesn't matter what the organization is. Too many voices become noise. Yeah, exactly. Sure. Somebody ultimately has to be the decision maker. And I'm also not arguing for democracy in organizations. I'm quite happy that, you know, organizations don't run along democratic lines. It's yep. not one person, one well, vote. Somebody has to make a decision ultimately. We are in agreement there too. My only principle is that the way those decisions are made is in my experience if those decisions are made through dialogue and i've been specific here dialogue here not collaboration then ultimately the decision made will be a better decision because of it so if you make a decision on your own without checking in with other people to get their input and their ideas and get them to test the veracity of your argument, mm -hmm. ultimately it's a search. I mean, this is a philosophical question, but it's a philosophical search for truth. How do you know that you have got as close to the truth in solving the problem that you can possibly get to? Well, the way philosophers do it is they argue it out. Right. And I'm saying it's no different in organizations. And I don't care if you put two fingers up a academia. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not saying you should have your organization run by philosophers either. <laughs> right, right. But there's room for the Socratic method in, in, in putting ideas oh, to the desk. If it you. can't stand up to that, then what is it worth? What is it worth? Yeah, right. Absolutely. Because you're just hiding behind your own authority at that point, and that's recipe for disaster. Oof. Okay, yeah. I have to go back to this. You said I want to emphasize dialogue, not collaboration. Mm -hmm. What's the difference? I think in this context, collaboration implies equal partners. Ah, right. Uh -huh. And um, it also implies that the ultimate decision is a, a kind of a conglomeration of people's ideas because they've all, you know. Sure. I, and I think you can end up with a, a just a, what's, what's, that, what's that thing where you've got like front legs of a dog and the back legs of a cow? Oh, clusterfuck. Yeah. Cl <laughs> oh, no way. <laughs> yeah, you end up with a hybrid or something. Yeah, kind. yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> or, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> yeah. 
Okay. So, okay. Collaboration. A collaborative process. That implies everybody's coming to the table with equal levels of experience and expertise on the subject matter. And that's just not the case. I mean, let's be honest. But that doesn't mean you shut up the junior. No, you want to encourage the junior to say, hey, I, I may have only joined this business two months ago, but can I ask a stupid question? Yep. Encourage the stupid question. Those are often the best ones. They're often the best ones. Not always. Sometimes it's well, what keeps questions. us in business, right? Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> <laughs> it, but they are. Those are the questions because up in the ivory tower, or pick your analogy. Any business owner who is sequestering themselves in their office or in their strategic work. They're missing a big part of the picture. I just read in an article yesterday, but when this airs, it's going to be old news, I'm sure. But the the newest CEO of Starbucks has declared he's going to work one day yep. every yeah, month I in read the store. That. I read that. That's great. It's absolutely great. It just it just shines a light yeah. on where I mean, well, who knows how it's going to turn out, but as an idea, what it's doing is it's opening There's the door to possibilities. Days a year he's going to spend on the shop floor. It's hardly a big deal. He's just made a commitment that he's going to do that. And now he's going to be making more informed decisions. About his customers, right. about his workforce, about the brand. Right. right. He certainly yeah. won't be an expert on it, but he will have at least tasted it before he spat it out. Exactly. Exactly. And here's the thing. You, you know, we were talking about blind spots earlier. Yeah. I think the kind of self-evident truths that we hold are the things that we're often most blind to. And that's why the office junior who's just started, who asks the stupid question, can mm-hmm. actually turn the spotlight on the thing that you just take for granted. Sure. Because it's so self-evident. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's what most often trips us up. Mm-hmm. If nothing else, even if their question isn't valid, it puts in the space the, the value that we've put on questioning our own blind spots, our own assumptions. Mm-hmm. If you allow that, even if it, even if that question does fall flat, even if everybody snickers in the, around the table quietly to themselves, hopefully the, uh, ideally you're still recognizing this is a spot we still encourage. Well, and that's the thing. So in that moment, what did you do? You're chairing that meeting. Yep. The office junior is brave enough to say, oh, that's, that, that, that's in, in itself is kind of a uh, patronizing way sure. to, to look at the person who's newest into the organization. But they're newest into the organization, don't have any experience. They're brave enough to ask a question around the boardroom table or the whatever it is, the management team that sure. they're participating in. What do you do in that moment? Yeah, what would you do? I would say to foster that. I would say, well, I I hope I would say it, and I would mean it genuinely that that was brilliant that they even that they said they they asked the question, and I would see the goodness in that question, regardless of how they phrased it, and then I would ask other people around the table to ask their questions as well, mm-hmm. because what that person modelled was asking questions, mm-hmm. and we wanna encourage people to ask questions. Sure. And I think if you shut it down, either because the question wasn't that good mm-hmm. or because, you know, whatever, then what you're doing is you're immediately modeling don't ask questions. Right. Okay. So back to my original question, I said, so if you were to audit the dialogue that play, takes place in an organization, 
what would one notice about the those opportunities yeah. that come up? And that would be one right there. So that was so a brilliant question. Even the questions that come up in an organization like that, say at, at a hypothetical meeting like that, even if the question itself doesn't make sense, don't quash the curiosity that came with it. Yeah, encourage the curiosity. And the courage that came with it. Yeah, and if you can, go on to express some vulnerability. As the leader? Yeah. What, what does that look like? Well, okay, what vulnerability looks like is just quit the bullshit. Like, quit the bullshit that you've got an answer to everything. At least in those situations where you don't have an answer, be upfront about that. Okay. We have I a, don't have an answer. I don't even know what the right question is to ask. I, I, I can hear a certain type of individual saying, doesn't that collapse the authority in the room when the, when the leader shows that kind of vulnerability? Hmm. Yeah. Maybe for that person it does. <laughs> I love that answer. <laughs> yeah, these are... Uh, it, okay, like, but I mean, you know, I mean, I think that's true that if that person has operated in a certain way for so long that for them to express um, uncertainty about defining the problem and uncertainty about what question will get them to a place where they can solve the problem, mm -hmm. that's expressing a vulnerability that they have never expressed in their, in their, at least, you know, in, the, in their memory, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. That's a horribly vulnerable place to be. None of sure. us like being that exposed. Right. Um, but what's the risk of, then it, for me, it becomes like, okay, let's look at those risks because there's a risk if I, don't do anything if I or if I carry on doing what I've always done, mm. and there's a there's a risk if I say something. There are there are risks both ways. Which which is the worst risk? Mm -hmm. Probably situation dependent. But if you stay on the path that you've been on, <laughs> you, we say this all the time with our clients: doing what you always yeah. done is going to get you what you always got. Yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe they work in one of these businesses that can carry on just being incredibly successful and doing the, same, <laughs> doing the same thing yeah. year in, year out. And don't rock the boat. Just don't rock the boat. Mm -hmm. yeah. They may be financially hitting their marks, but um, go talk to, you know, somebody like, Kodak and Sears about yeah. something like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they... they um, Long game. It's not in the cards. Yeah. Yeah, we both know that. Yeah, so, you know, we talk about creating sustainable and scalable businesses. Well, the only thing that we can be pretty sure of is that the environment in which that business operates is going to change quicker than anyone would like. Yep. And that if the environment around that business changes, then that business is going to have to change as well. So I would say that, you know, when I weigh up the risk of carrying on being the leader I've always been and never asking questions versus trying to be a different sort of leader and asking questions and expressing uncertainty, I think I'm going to take the risk of the latter over the risk of 
the former because mm-hmm. I've figured out that change is inevitable. Mm-hmm. Okay, so this actually dovetails very well into a follow-up on this. So we're kind of creating, if you will, drawing a bit of a map on how one might nurture more creative, or pardon me, more critical thinking in an organization. And for those keeping track, it's about creating space and structure to give yourself that room to do so, uh, capturing it in writing, putting those ideas that are, are more succinctly articulated and specific, then step three is putting those out in front of others to to have dialogue about that. Again, slight differentiation there between collaboration and dialogue. Not everybody has the same, not everybody's opinion is equally as informed or, or um, uh, frankly relevant in some situations, right? Because of just their role. So put it to others for feedback, getting, getting collaboration, dialogue going about that. You mentioned expressing some vulnerability. I think that was mostly part of that process. Uh-huh. That's, that is by definition saying, I don't have all of the answers. And if I do, I'm still interested in your feedback. Yeah. Um, because I, I, the chances are too great that me making this decision in a silo will impact everybody negatively. And so I want everybody's feedback on this. I think it's about building that organizational muscle. Mm-hmm. We think as a team, we collaborate, we think as a team. Great. We've all got to become better thinkers. You know, as the leader of an organization, you're actually trying to grow other leaders, aren't you? Yeah, and in some capacity, I would hope so. There are always going to be people who are perfectly content being widget makers, and there are just that's the extent of it. And um, anybody that has an appetite in an organization to spread their wings that way, we've got to fertilize that. Right, they're they're even if it means they leave us. Mm-hmm. Um, go off on a tangent on that one, but let's not. So once we've gotten to that point, we've gone through the critical thinking process as we've sort of defined there. This is more cyclical, isn't it? This isn't linear. We're we're now going to take that data and feedback based on those decisions mm-hmm. that were made, and test that data feedback and measure it against what our expectations were, what our intuition is and assess how that turned out. Great. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good. And innovate as we need to. Yeah. By rinse, repeat. Go, go through that yeah, process. Yeah, you've done it once, and you'll get better as you keep doing it. Mm-hmm. For sure. Okay. Can I add a fourth action step? Hey, this is your dime, brother. That's a lost analogy on anybody that's never put a dime in a payphone. Sorry, go ahead. Start reading again. And if you want a recommendation of where you should start reading. Mm, please. Adam Grant's Think Again. Couldn't agree. And if you want a further recommendation, you can skip the book and go straight to the epilogue. And I think it's on page 150, 151. He has an epilogue, which, um, what's it called? Um, Thinking for Impact. And it's a checklist. Mm. Thinking for Impact is epilogue. How to think. All right. You're going to have to guess and just shoot in the dark if you're an audible kind of a... (laughs) page 151 you guess where that's at but interestingly he doesn't call it a checklist i think he calls it 30 principles for thinking okay so i have it actually have a copy of adam grant's think again with me right here and it's uh actually it's right after the epilogue it's called actions for impact and that's where adam has those um those tips that checklist if you will for um that you're getting at it's called actions for impact is his section that he 
uh, chats about that. And then uh, as a second recommendation, although this is a very different book, but I think Daniel Kahneman's Thinking Fast and Slow, Thinking Fast and Slow. is a great book. I think it's a bit denser. It's a bit academic, actually. Okay. I but, can't weigh in on that one. It's on my bookshelf over there, but I've not read it yet. I need to do that. Okay. Good recommendation. Circling right back to where we started, clearing obstacles. This is my thesis. You are always going to have obstacles in your organization because change is inevitable and change inevitably brings obstacles. I can't stop those obstacles emerging. What I can give you some confidence in doing is knowing that the way you think about those obstacles and how to solve them gets better and easier and more fun by thinking about critical thinking as an essential part of your organizational culture. Mm -hmm. So in some ways, this is a tangential look at clearing obstacles because it's not grounded in the here and now and practical. It's more looking at it through a different lens. I like that. I, I, you know, it's it's the it's the old axiom of give me three hours to cut down the tree. I'll spend the first two sharpening my axe. This this as a discipline is axe sharpening. This is not tree cutting. Yeah. This is more about sharpening your ability to think critically, to collaborate, to test your ideas against others, so that when those obstacles do arise, you are as equipped and informed and creative and hopefully joyful in the process of clearing those things as possible. Yeah. To think through the consequences of chopping down that tree before you chop it down. Mm -hmm. Pocket knife, axe, hatchet, chainsaw, thinking that through first. <laughs> and what was this tree being used for? Yeah. Maybe I shouldn't cut it down. <laughs> We could ride that analogy all yeah, day. Yeah. Um, I like the relevance of this topic of critical thinking as it relates to clearing obstacles as much as any. Um, again, to it, I say it much more plainly, but back to that that prompt in the corner of my whiteboard: get precise with the problem before you try and solve it. That's an exercise in critical thinking. Don't, not just thinking, but critically so. Yeah, yeah. Question your own assumptions. Yeah. Let others question your assumptions, maybe even equally as important. So, Nick, you, you mentioned um, the six principles. And for anybody keeping track, what I'd like to do is just articulate those so that it's, it's easy. I'm, uh, writing them down helps me to track them. And so here's what I have so far. If I'm uh, off in any of my thinking here, please correct me. But this is what I've got. Effective and, and useful critical thinking relies on first starting with the right question, right? Um, and we discussed what makes a really good question, but it all starts there. Starts with the right question. Second, we have to build evidence that will help to answer that question. So you can't just um, you can't just fake the answers. They need to be probably a combination of, as we discussed, data and intuition. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. So 
evidence of one sort or another. It could be experience. Yeah. It could be forecasting and predictions based on yeah. trends. Yeah. Could be, but some kind of data. Yeah. Okay. Um, then you have to make sure that that data is good. Yeah. And continues on. So you mentioned like KSIs are key, key indicators to be able to track. So putting that plainly, if it were making a decision, a, a financial decision based on your, your forecast or your projections, you're tracking that to make sure that your hypothesis is holding up. Absolutely. Okay. Yep. Fourth is being aware of your own blind spots. Mm -hmm. That's a fourth principle for critical thinking. Yep. And sort of as a sibling to that one is, is make sure that this process is dialogue based. So that, that sort of serves as an antidote to the blind spots, because yeah. if you're engaging with somebody else, you take yourself out of that silo. Well, I think, I think, and I think on that point itself, what is really important here is if you surround yourself with people who have been trained to just say just yes, like yeah. then one, you've surround yourself with the wrong people but but two then all you're going to do is reinforce your own blind spots and there's plenty of historical evidence of where really really catastrophic decisions have been made with that sort of group think right okay great so so that fourth one be aware of your blind spots fifth one um uh test that test those blind spots uh, keeping the process dialogue based and especially not just a bunch of yes people who are going to placate you with their answers. Yeah. And then and then lastly, some mechanism to document that, ideally writing, but some some way to to leave a trail of breadcrumbs to be able to recreate the logic that you use to come to the decision that you did through that critical thinking process. And I think that's what makes your next decision better because you can refer back to the process you used making the first decision and that's that's the exercising the muscle in practice isn't right. it it's you know right. it's observing what you do and the way you do it and then thinking critically about the way you did it so that next time you do it slightly better mm -hmm. i love that Man, I so appreciate you joining me today for this conversation. It, I, I just, again, value and deeply respect everything that I've seen you do individually and everything we've done together has just brought me so much joy and this is no exception. Oh, Dan, you're a star. I love you and my brain hurts. <laughs> too. All right, everybody go take five. Give yourself a, a margarita. I think that might be what Nick and I now go to. Thank you so much for joining us on the Clearing Obstacles podcast. We hope it's been everything that you're looking for. Uh, we really appreciate your loyalty. And uh, if this has served you in any way, please share it with others. And if it hasn't, let me know. I'd like to know why and how I want to exercise my own critical thinking process and uh, put my money where my mouth is. Thanks again for joining us. We'll catch you next time. We hope you've gotten the value you were looking for on today's episode. And if you want more like this, please subscribe to the Clearing Obstacles podcast on your favorite listening platform. You can go to clearingobstacles.com for more information, and there you'll find links to other episodes, as well as how you can get in touch with us to set up your own customized coaching experience on a regular basis to clear your own obstacles. Your business should serve your life. So let us help you get there from here because nobody should do this on their own. 
We also want to thank you for listening and gratefully acknowledge everyone who helped make this podcast possible. And a special thanks to our supreme assistant and navigator, Noah Wertheiser, to Arctic E for the brilliant musical themes of Clearing Obstacles, and to the team at Hivecast for your amazing work and legendary patience.